to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. First Thessalonians chapter 1, I've entitled this message, Turn, Turn. I want to preach evangelistically today. I'm being very upfront, very honest, very, very transparent. First Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, Paul said, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and followers of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you, the word of the Lord is sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Y'all, these folks had a testimony, didn't they? People were talking about them. For they themselves, now notice this, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry entry we had to you, and, and they declare how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Can you say amen to the word? All right, y'all sit down. Y'all been staying a long time. I want you to see this video. I want to show you a video. Two years ago, a young man who played for the Fairfield High School Falcons football team in California made a spectacular interception. This is wild. I just want you to see what happens when he makes the interception. There it is. There he goes. Except the problem is what? Yeah, he's going in the wrong direction. (laughs) And look at his coach down there throwing his hat. (laughs) That really happened. The young man got so excited about the fact that he made his first interception that he just knew he wanted to run it in, in the end zone. He just ran for the nearest end zone and didn't realize it was the wrong end zone. And his teammate had to chase him down and tackle him to keep him from getting into the end zone, giving them a safety two points and then them getting the ball back. And so that, that's, a, that's just a funny thing that happened. But the whole point of it is he ran in the wrong direction. Now, the reason I showed you that in that little comical clip was because when we look at this text in 1 Thessalonians, when Paul visited that city, the city of Thessalonica, he discovered people who were running in the wrong direction. They were running from God to sin. And so in response, Paul preached the gospel to them. The saving story of Jesus died on the cross, rising from the dead, paying sin's price for us. And they heard it. They believed it. They were saved. And Paul describes their salvation experience as this. They turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And I I, I was thinking, like the teammate on the high school football team, the apostle Paul chased these folks down and tackled them with the gospel of Jesus. (laughs) But here's the lesson that I want to bring to you this morning, the point that I'd like to make. If you want to be saved, if you want to be right with God, if you want to get your sins out and Jesus in and you want to be changed and ultimately go to heaven and spend eternity with God, then something important is going to have to happen. You have to turn. 
you have to turn. If you're not saved, you have turned your back on God. See, your back is turned to God. You ignore him, you live like he isn't there, you live like he isn't real, you defy him, you do what you want to do, you go your own way. And like the football player in the video, you are headed in the wrong direction. But the good news this morning is that God loves you so much and cares for you so much, even though that you're against him, he will chase you down <laughs> in order to save your soul. He will convict you and draw you and talk to you and speak the gospel to you and love you and show you the way to be saved. And you have to respond to him by turning to him. You have to move in his direction. You have to heed his voice. I'm sure everybody was yelling at that guy. He just wasn't listening. And sometimes the Lord's speaking, we're not listening, but there are times when he speaks and you can hear him and he's saying, it's time to get right with me. And, and so what does it mean to turn? Well, there's a Bible word for it. It's the word repent. To turn to God means to repent. Repentance is a military term. I didn't join the military, didn't serve in the military, gave serious thought to it, but God decided to put me in his army instead of the U.S. Army. And so I didn't serve, but some of you did, and you know that in the military, they march and they stand, and oftentimes they, they give orders, and oftentimes those orders are something like this. A squad is, a platoon is facing in one direction, a sergeant says, about face, and they are taught a technique where they're facing in one direction, and they can do a maneuver where they make a 180-degree turn and they face in the opposite direction. And, and if they say march, then they move in the opposite direction. That's repentance. Jesus preached repentance. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, if you want to be in the kingdom of God and God be the Lord of your life and be the one in charge of your life, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to turn from sin and turn to God. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the gospel to thousands of people and they were convicted of their sins. They didn't know what to do. So they said to Peter, what do we do? And Peter did not say, start going to church. If you go to church, that'll fix everything. Because see, down south, we believe that if we go to church, that'll fix everything. Ooh, I done stepped into something now. He didn't say to them, just do better. You know, you haven't been doing too good. He didn't say, clean up your act. Get yourself together. No, what he said to them is repent. Turn from your sins and turn to God. That's what he preached to them. I want you to know that what I'm doing today is not just because i got to preach today. I, I want you to get this. I, please let this be conveyed to you and you embrace it. This subject is incredibly important to God. Repentance is the heartbeat of God. In, in, in 1 Peter 3.9, it tells us that God wants everyone to repent from their sins in terms of As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God commands all men everywhere, and that's women too, all men and women everywhere to repent. It's a command of God. So let me see if I can help you understand it in another way. Repentance is you going north on I-85, but you realize you're supposed to be going south. And so you get off an exit ramp, and you cross over the bridge, and you take the entrance ramp for the southbound, and you take it, and then you head in the southbound direction on I-85. That's repentance. It's you're going in the wrong direction, but you turn to go in the right direction. It's, it's, it's doing the wrong thing, but then doing the right thing. And repentance involves a change in your life. I wanna get this to you, I wanna convey this to you, I hope you'll grasp this, because 
I think it's the, probably the full meat of what I'm trying to bring to you today. Repentance is a full and complete determination to leave sin once and for all and to live for Jesus for the rest of your life. That's what happens when you repent. It's more than crying tears in an altar. It's more than intending to do better. Somebody said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Repenting or turning is part of the salvation experience. When you come to God and you say, God, I'm a sinner, please forgive me, God does that. He forgives you, he cleanses you, he washes all your sins away. He puts his spirit inside of you. And your response to his work on you is that you repent. You, you have the same feeling about sin that God does, where you used to love it and want to do it and be part of it. Now you say, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I can't even believe I said those things, did those things, thought that way, reacted that way. I abhor that, I hate that. I'm not going to do that again. I just want to live for Jesus. That's repentance. By the way, a real inner change will manifest itself outwardly. Jesus on the inside working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And it'll be such an outward manifestation that other people will see it. This is what happened to the Thessalonians. Their friends saw the change in them. Their family members couldn't miss it. Other churches talked about their radical transformation. The preachers were aware of it. So listen to me. When you get saved and you repent, people will talk about you. They will see the difference in you, and that's a good thing because that's your testimony. And isn't it so cool how Pastor Billy doesn't talk to me? He just prays and seeks the Lord, and then he brings all these songs that preach my message. And there's a first song we sang this morning. This is my testimony from death to life. I mean, that's what happens. And, and, and Jonathan talking about, I don't know if he, I, was, I had to step out, but I don't know if he talked about it. The first service, he talked about how he's, he stood for God, and then there's other times he didn't stand for God, but he's determined that he's going to stand for God and live for the Lord all of his life. That's what I'm talking about today. That's true repentance. And when you get saved and repent, people will talk about you. They'll, they'll see that difference. And when you repent, you turn from something to someone. That's what happened to the Thessalonians. They turned from idols to serve God. From idols, they left those alone and they moved in a direction to serve God. Now, serving God isn't being an usher or working in the children's department. That can be part of it. But what Paul has in mind here in the original language is that it means to yield your will and desire and to obey as a slave would obey its master. Thank God slavery's gone. Thank God that's not an issue. But in, in Paul's time, it was very, very common. And the understanding was that if you were a slave, then you yielded your will to the master. Whatever the master wanted you to do without argumentation or, or negotiation, you just did it. And that's what Paul was trying to say to us, that when you come to God, you live for him, you serve him, you wholeheartedly live for him in every area of your life. And by the way, you don't look for loopholes. You don't look how to make in, in runs around commands that you don't particularly like or that make you uncomfortable. You just do them, and you let the chips fall. You see, you can always identify a repentant person by the way they serve God. You can always spot a person who loves Jesus and is grateful for salvation by the way that they shun the wrong and do the right. Now you know why I wanted to sing that old song. Repentant people shun the wrong and they do the right. Because getting saved is a radical experience. Repenting is a radical everyday experience. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you in the mind of the Bible. That's my job. In Thessalonica, in that church, there were both Jewish and Gentile Christians, believers, 
The Jews at least had the Old Testament and they knew who Jehovah was. They had a hard time, some of them, with Jesus, like many Jews do today. But the Gentiles, they didn't know squat. They didn't know God. They didn't know the Bible. All they knew were idols and wickedness and evil and corruption. And, and they hear the gospel and they give their life to God and now they have to forsake all that they've ever known. It wasn't okay for them to say, well, can I still worship this one Greek God or, or can I still offer sacrifices to this Roman God and still serve Jesus? They said, nope, that's syncretism. And that's not God's way. You turn your back on what you've always known. Anybody getting this? And you move into a whole new realm. It's a momentous change. It's a radical transformation. That's what it was for those Thessalonian Gentiles. But you know what? They didn't look for loopholes. And they didn't try to secret. They just said, you know what? He's done so much for Those idols never did for me what Jesus has done for me. I don't need them. I don't want them. I just want Jesus. That's what happens when you repent and you get saved. Because all your life, if you think about it, you've pursued dead and lifeless things and dead and lifeless people in order to find life. And these are the things that you worship and that you adore and that you care about more than anyone else or anything else. These are the things that you live for. These are the things that you sacrifice for. These are the things you say, I can't live without. See, people think, well, idols, you know, are these little wooden statues like totem poles, and they're, you know, that's, that's an idol, right, Pastor? And no, Well, you know, people in the bush country and in, in uncivilized third world nations, they, they worship. We don't have that in America. Yes, we do. It may not be totem poles, but whatever it is that you put before God and love more than God and, and think that, is, that it's just you cannot live without it. Your whole life revolves around it. That's your idol. And some of you, when you get saved, you, some of you, when you got saved, remember this. And when you get saved, you're going to see this, that, that things that have just been so common and so familiar, when you get saved, it, they may still be common and familiar, but they're just not right anymore. They don't feel right. You know, it's, you know, I can't do this. I can't keep saying this. I can't keep responding this way. I can't punch him in the nose the next time he calls me a name. I don't know what I'm going to do, but i got to figure out something. Lord, help me. What do I do here? Turn the other cheek? What if he hits that cheek too? Then I'm done. Can I pop him, Lord? I did what you told me to do. You know, we just we got to work through this. There's a reprogramming of the mind. And by the way, no, you can't pop him anyway. But these are the things, you, you, you give your life in pursuit of these dead things and they give you nothing substantial or meaningful in return. But here's the things: once you're saved, once you turn to God, you discover that you're pursuing a living God who is the source of life and who turns the vanity of life into significance and gives purpose and meaning in life and gives you a reason to get up every morning and he just feeds you and, and he's, he's, it, you have a relationship with him. He talks to you, talk to him, he's intimately involved in everything you do. Who wouldn't want that? And this God not only gives you something to live for now, but he gives you something to look forward to. Repentant people are expectant people. Paul said, you have, you have turned from the idols to serve the true and the living God and to wait for Jesus, his son, who rose from the dead for you, who, to, who's coming to deliver us from the wrath which is to come. 
And so when you get saved, you not only have him now in your life and you're living for him, but y'all, one of these days, and I'm going to be preaching a little bit like what I already preached last Sunday, but if you were here last Sunday, I'll just, here you go. I'm going to say it again. Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, if you don't believe that, you're in trouble, but I believe he's coming back. He came the first time. He did it. He said he's coming the first time he did it. I believe he's coming the second time. He said he's coming back. And we need to be looking for him. We don't need to get so caught up in this world and the things of this world that there would be any hesitation. I, I've seen young adults say, I want Jesus to come back, but can I get married first? I want Jesus to come back, but can I have kids first? And see, that's so carnal, and it's so shallow. I'm sorry to say that, but it is. That's so carnal, because if you think having babies or getting married is, like, is going to equal Jesus coming back and you being glorified and all that, you, you just haven't got it yet. Okay? It's going to be wonderful. And I know they're mid-trib and post-trib and pre-trib and all that stuff, and I'm a pre-tribber. I believe Jesus is coming back for the tribulation. I don't believe the church is going to go through the tribulation. Now, if you do, fine, you go ahead and go through it. I ain't planning on going through it. Because the wrath that he's going to pour out on this sinful world, I don't have to go through because the wrath that was on me for my sin was put on Jesus 2,000 years ago, and that, that was applied to my life. Ain't no wrath on my life. I believe he's going to take us out, okay? With no offense to anybody, but if that's what you believe, go ahead and keep believing it. That's all right. But I believe he's going to deliver us. I believe he's going to take us out because that's what he said, to deliver us from the wrath which is to come. So we've got something to look forward to. If I die, I plan to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. And I told you last Sunday, there are some people who are scared they're going to die and not go to heaven. People are, people are scared that Jesus is going to come and they're going to miss the rapture. But that's not what Paul said. He said, we wait for Jesus. And to wait for Jesus means to look forward with patience and confidence. That's what that word means. You need to be confident. Be confident that if the trumpet of God sounded right now and you've repented of your sins and you're living right, guess what? You'd go up. I'm gonna ask you right now, how many of you would still be here? It's a sobering question, isn't it? How many of you would still be here? But we should have confidence that he's coming. You need, you need to be ready. You need to be ready. How many of y'all ever had guests come visit your house from out of state, out of town, right? Okay. Ladies, especially men, we're in this too. You have somebody coming to visit the house, going to stay a few days. Do you just say, okay, hang up the phone and not do one thing and let them come to the house just like it is? Do you? I mean, some of you might. But I know what Miss Lee over there is going to do. We're going to vacuum the floors. We're going to clean the bathrooms. We're going to dust all the furniture. We're going to clean the sheets and that put fresh sheets on that bed. We got to get it all fixed up. Why? We're preparing for the guests to arrive. If, I, if I'm outside and I've been working and I've got mud on my boots, she's going to say, take those boots off out there in the garage. Don't you track that mud in here. The guests are coming, right? And I have to listen to me. I got to keep the dirt out. Right? Keep the mud out. Do I bring in people who are going to tear up the house? If you got small kids, you let the kids. Can I bring my friend in? No. Go to their house and tear it up. 
Your grandparents are coming. You're not going to, you, you tell that, you tell those, go, get out of my yard. Right? You keep, I'm preaching right now and you don't even know it. You got to keep out whatever might trash and hinder and mess up the arrival of the guest. This is what we call holiness preaching right now. And we need holiness preaching here in America. This is holiness preaching. So what I'm saying to you is live right, serve God, keep the dirt and the mud and the people of this world out of your life that would wreak havoc and get you dirty with them. Keep it out. Stay ready every day because at any moment, Jesus could come. I want him to find me waiting and ready and prepared. I want you to stand with me, please. My challenge to you this morning is if you're not saved, give your life to Jesus and be saved. Repent of your sins. Turn to the living God. If you're headed in the wrong direction, turn around. Head in God's direction. Rest assured that God is chasing you down right now, just like that guy was chasing down his teammate. In love, he wants to tackle you, not to hurt you, but to tackle you and keep you from going in a wrong direction. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you saw somebody headed towards a cliff or somebody was in a boat and they didn't know there was a long waterfall and they were headed to it, wouldn't you scream and yell and do everything in your power to stop them and save them? That's what God's doing. God's trying to stop you and save you to keep you from spending eternity in hell and away from him. He wants to change your life. And it's more than that. He wants to have a relationship with you. Get the sin out. So I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask everybody in this house, and, and please don't leave. I'd rather you stay in your seat than leave. I want to ask everybody to just make your way to the altar. And I don't, I, I just we use wisdom, spread out. But come down, we'll use the aisles. But can you come down here? I, I need your help with something. Guests, visitors, everybody. We're just going to finish the service in the altar, the place where man meets with God. Thank you so much for coming. Hallelujah. Keep coming. There's plenty of room here in the, in, the, in the front. Praise God. Amen. I want to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes if you would. And I want to ask you in this service this morning, is there anybody here, and it might be some folks watching online, I wish I could see your hand, but I can't. But is there anybody here this morning who say, Pastor Chris, I know why God gave you this message and why you preached on this, why y'all sang those songs, it was for me. I have sinned in my life. I'm not right with the Lord. If I died right now, I wouldn't go to heaven. I'm not waiting for Jesus to come. It scares me, the thought of Jesus to come, because I'm not ready. I'm not right, but I want to get right. I want to be saved today. I want to get saved. I want to repent. I want to live right and do the right things and be a good person because God has made me good. If that's you, raise your hand up high so I can see it. Raise it up where I can see it. Anybody in this house? Anybody? Just raise it where I can see it. 
I thought I saw somebody give a half raise. Sir, if that's you, that's okay. It's tough to do sometimes. I see you right there. Yeah, two people right in front of me. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you for being really honest. Anybody else? I'm, I'm trying to just scan the room. Am I getting, getting everybody, Pastor Billy? Yes. Thank you. I see you there. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Thank you for being honest. I just want to help you. More, more than anything, I want God to help you. Hallelujah. In the first service, a 13-year-old girl... She's moving into that stage of life where now she's going to have start learning how to make more and more important decisions. In the first service, she made the most important decision of her life. Her parents were here. They're thrilled she gave her life to Jesus. Last Sunday, a young man who's sitting right over here to my right, he knows who he is. He gave his life to Jesus. I love these teenagers getting saved. That's, that's all right with me. It's good to see the next generation being saved. Come on, somebody. So for those of you who raised your hand, look, and if you didn't raise your hand, it's okay. You don't have to raise your hand to be saved. But I tell you what you do have to do. You have to talk to Jesus and pray and ask him to forgive you, and you have to repent. So I want I want us to help you. We do this here. I want everybody to bow their head, close their eyes, and we're going to pray together the sinner's prayer. And those of you who raised your hand or maybe thought about raising your hand, <laughs> I want you to pray this prayer. And you, you repeat the words, but I want you to say, them to say them to Jesus. I want you to have a heart of faith and believe that God is hearing your prayer. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's, he's listening. He sees your heart. You just have faith and you lean on his grace. He's already done the work. You just make up your mind that you're going to run to him and he's going to save you and you're going to repent and live for the Jesus. So let's do this. Come on, everybody, help me out here. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry for my sins. I don't like the way I am. I, I've got to change. I want to be right with you. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry, God. Change my life. Come into my heart. Save me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe your death and resurrection have the power to change my life, to deliver me from the power of sin. So right now, I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I embrace you as my Lord and Savior. The sin is out. May the Holy Ghost come in. Hallelujah. And Jesus, I repent of my sins right now. I'm not going to do what's wrong. I'm going to do what's right. And if I do fail, I'm going to come running to you and ask for forgiveness and learn from it and grow from it and just keep on serving you, Lord. I'm, my God, I'm turning my back on sin. Those days are over, Lord. I'm living for you for the rest of my days. So thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Come on, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for changing my life. Hallelujah. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel saving work in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, I like to do this now, y'all. Come on, everybody say, say, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And I know that I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045.
For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.